You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hi, it's Julie here. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is extra special to me and deeply personal. In celebration of Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, We have dedicated every week in May to an Asian business leader to share their stories. To kick off the series, Bridget and I invited Liam Lay, founder of Little Lion, an advocate of inclusion, wellness, and consequential dialogue. Liam and I share our stories of being Asian American and our perspectives around the uprise of Asian hate and creating impactful change through sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Liam will also join us live for an AAPI educational panel via Zoom, hosted by Marty Crane, GM EVP of the State of New York for Southern Glazers. This will be hosted on May 20th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We really hope you enjoy this episode and tune in each week to hear from this group of inspiring leaders and also join us live on May 20th. Follow us on your favorite social platform at Served Up Podcast for all the details. Now sit back, grab your favorite cocktail, and get inspired. Liam, welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are so happy and just pleased and honored to have you on our show. Oh, thank you, Julie and Bridget. It's it's a pleasure. It's a joy. I'm excited. This is my first ever podcast. Um, so thank you for having me. Oh my God, we're so honored. Your first podcast. That's incredible. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having that be on Served Up. Yes. And Bridget, I feel like it's so funny. Like I I feel like I already know you. We just started chatting. And oh I my God, like, I feel like I you know, guys already met. No. <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. Liam and Julie, could you tell me how you met? And Liam, I would like to start with you. I I led this recent panel about everything that's been happening in, uh, in the Asian community, all the anti-Asian sentiment that's out there that's um, resulting in violent attacks against the Asian community. And, you know, I would say it, it just seeing all the videos all the, the headlines, it kind of just took a toll. And so it led me to lead this panel discussion with women of the mind and spirits within the alcohol beverage industry. Um, and that's, uh, Julie sat in on that and that's how we connected. And then Julie um, invited me to, to speak. I'll let, you, I'll let you quickly chime in there, Julie, but yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, that was what, was it only like, was it a week ago? Was it yeah. last week? Last Friday, <laughs> no, last Tuesday. Last Tuesday. Yeah. So it's been, you know, about a week and a half. And that was the Tuesday coming back off spring break. 
And of course, I've been hearing more and more about the Asian hate, the prejudice and, and the derogatory statements. So it's almost sadly been normalized. And then I started having people kind of reach out to me like Bridget. She's always so thoughtful. I had a couple people that really care about me ask. So when I came back from spring break, I see a woman of the vine live chat. I got on and, and you moderated. I was looking at who's logging in. Usually you've got 20, 30 people. We had at one point, like almost 200 people. And I thought, wow. And I think it just like really hit me. And I just want to say, I too was on that woman of the vine and listening to you. And so, oh my goodness, Liam, you're so inspiring. And I have to say, I mean, I've been, I've listened to a lot of women of the vine workshops. That was by far the best one. I mean, it was so powerful. Well, thank you. And I want to thank you for being, you know, so bold and vulnerable and just being truthful. And that's hard to do. It's hard to be your, to be genuine on a lot of times in that situation. And you did, you were awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I, I thought so happy. It, made, it made me sit and think as well. None of us are perfect. And I always think like, you know, I'm always learning all the time from my friends and making sure to be thoughtful, but there's always learning to do. And you do that by listening to other people's stories. And so thank Aww. you. So what's amazing about that was it all came together, you know, as, as we're doing this really quickly, that came together very quickly as well. I, I basically, I have been tracking what's been happening to the Asian community since COVID first hit because of the rhetoric. And as soon as I heard the rhetoric, I myself was alarmed being Asian American, knowing what the implications of what's being said could mean. I was also tracking unemployment figures and how businesses were being impacted. I was tracking mental health statistics and anxiety and stress metrics that were out there. And it spiked for the Asian American community like you've never seen it before. So there were all these metrics and it just kept getting worse and worse. And so when the shootings in Atlanta happened, that's when all of a sudden it was finally in the news. It was finally on everyone's radar. You know, after seeing that video of the woman attacked um, in New York, when the bystanders didn't help. And then, (laughs) right. And then reading about- They closed the doors- I saw yeah. that too. So that's what, when I came back, I started seeing that, you know, and, and, and I'm like, what the, you know, and I couldn't believe that. I called my mom. Well, there were also elderly Asian who'd been shoved. Mm-hmm. Many of these were yes. broad daylight. When they're going for the walks, they're walking to church, they're walking home from the hospitals, but they died to have been shoved and then died. That really broke my heart. There's no reason for it. That's what led me to say, I have to speak up. We have to do more. How can I help the situation? And I reached out to women of the mind and spirits, Elizabeth and Deborah, and immediately they're like, yes. And it came together. So that's how we met Bridget. Sorry. That was a long winded intro. (laughs) No, it's a beautiful intro. And it's something that just happened recently, you know, and, and I believe that nothing really happens by accident, right? there was a reason why the two of you met and it seems to becoming instant friends. And I I feel like I'm a part of that in a small way. So at least I can, I can be part of that in a small way, but you know, for our listeners, I'd love to know more of the story that really leads us into honoring and respecting and celebrating Asian heritage month. You know, I think the biggest way for me to talk about it is just speaking it 
from my own personal experience versus giving the more academic version of it because I want this to be relatable to people. And, you know, part of my doing this podcast today was, was for listeners to hear from me and Julie as two Asian Americans living in this country and recognizing that we are American, yet we also celebrate our Asian heritage. I happen to be of Vietnamese descent. Uh, Julie can share her, her story, which is, which is different. And I think that's, that's what's awesome is that all of this diversity within our American culture is what makes us American. I'm going to share a little bit about my Vietnamese background. I mean, I grew up in a household where we ate Vietnamese food. My mom is Vietnamese. She's a great cook. And, you know, I, I talk about food and I talk about culture and I talk about family because I think that's very much woven into the American fabric of who we are. So whether you're having pizza or you're having pho or you're having Italian food or tacos or whatever it is, I mean, it's just part of the fabric of our lives. And the fact that the shape of my eyes aren't as round doesn't make me less American. I think the biggest thing I wanted to share in all of this is, yes, there are differences about being Vietnamese, but it doesn't make me less American. It doesn't make me appreciate not being American. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like America is a melting pot. To say it's just one way, not only not okay, it's not correct. We all have our own cultures in which we were raised. And we all have differences that should be celebrated, explored, and shared. I think it all starts with education, right? So being able to take the opportunity this month to really understand the, the many different countries and cultures that make up Asia and the Pacific Islands is really important because we've always been kind of grouped as if you're Asian, you're Asian, you're all from the same place. We've always dealt with the microaggressions and the derogatory statements. And I think we've learned to deal with it. But before you could ever really have an appreciation or respect, you've got to be curious to want to learn about it and learn where are you from? What is your family like? What type of food do you eat? What do you do on the weekends? I think that's really important to learn people's cultures I grew up really embracing my Korean culture. Like you could ask anybody, I'm like, I'm Korean, I'm Asian hundred percent, but I'm not right. My dad's white, but I really resonated with the Korean side of my family. And I've always gravitated to different people and different cultures. Did I feel like I was the same as them? No, because I'm different. I'm unique and I'm different, but I also knew what it felt like to be included and accepted. I think we should celebrate everyone. I, and I, I just think, you know, I think we should be at a point where everyone feels included, feels accepted. Mm-hmm. Our own personal stories of struggle and adversity are all recognized. And I don't think we should be living in a, in a world where our physical identity, what we look like, are cause for racial discrimination or perceived as less of a, a human being, less superior in any way. We are all from many different countries, right? Like Bridget you are a mix. Like your family has immigrated here from other countries in Europe. And yet you're seen more American than any of us. And we could be fourth, fifth, sixth generationers further down the line as you, but there's one thing that makes us different, which is the way we look. Right. And we have one specific characteristic, which is our eyes. 
I do want to share one thing. So one of the things that was really interesting when COVID hit and we were asked to wear masks, I remember the first time I put a mask on. And I think like all of us, when you put on sunglasses, when you put on makeup, you look in the mirror and you adjust your, you adjust your hat, you judge your, your shades, you adjust your earrings. Mm-hmm. I put my mask on and I'm adjusting my mask in light of everything that's going on. And I look at my eyes. And for the first time I thought, oh, all this stuff is happening. I'm wearing a mask and now you can't see my smile. You can't see my facial expression. You can't see that I'm smiling or anything like that. All you look at are these Asian eyes and there are these racial attacks going on. And it gave me pause. It gave me pause because it signified something different. And I remember thinking if I walk out and all you see are my eyes, how am I going to be perceived when there's all this COVID going on? Mm-hmm. Right thing. And I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm thinking that. I'm putting on my mask to adjust that. And I'm thinking about the shape of my eyes in light of the horrible rhetoric and the implications of that. And I remember feeling like a, you know, like a chill go down your spine. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is nuts. And then I was angry. I was angry that I felt that way. I was angry that I would even think such a thought. Mm-hmm. I share this more, you know, if you don't have eyes that are shaped differently, do you think about that this way? And I remember talking to someone else about it and they were like, wow, I don't even think about that. Liam. I wear, I choose not to wear sunglasses. I don't want to hide my eyes because I want people to see my eyes. Mm-hmm. And yet you're talking about it in a very different way. You know, she was like, I I just never thought about it that way. And these are things that people that look like me don't have to think about. It's not a concern. Mm -hmm. Without our masks, we go on with our day. I would love to talk to you both about something that is such a hot button and something that you mentioned on the woman of the vine, and that's unconscious bias. And I know as as a woman, I have definitely experienced it throughout my life, um, continue to in different ways. I can't relate. To being an Asian woman, I can listen and, and I can um, be there and open spaces. And I, I understand that. And I appreciate the stories a thousand percent. And I think that it's through the stories that we will create that change, communication into action. So I would just love to hear from you a little bit about your feelings towards unconscious bias. I think we all have to acknowledge that we all have some kind of bias even those of us who may be in the DNI space, who've done a lot of work in that space or anything like that, I think we're all, we all have to acknowledge that we all have biases and, and it could be unintentional, I mean, unconscious, unintentional, unaware. You're not consciously aware of it. But to first acknowledge, and you know, I will be the first to say, yeah, I have unconscious bias for me to come up here and pretend that I'm like above it. No, I'm not. I'm not. So that's what I would like to say first and foremost is that to acknowledge that because I think once we acknowledge it, then we're more aware that they exist, that we are also guilty of them. And then we can be more mindful of when they take place so that we can dutifully prevent them from happening, course correct if needed, help others see it because they didn't see it the first time around. But I think it exists all around us. And I think the only way to overcome that is to have these kind of conversations like we're having. I'm going to share with you another story. And I, I find that by sharing stories, it helps 
for the for what we're saying, the messaging to sort of resonate a little better. At least it, it helps me put it into context. But for example, when I was, you know, one of the the jobs in in our industry, I had a manager who asked me to put a picture of myself, a quote unquote pretty picture of myself, in my signature next to my name. No one else in the company put their picture by their name. You know, how do you react when someone says, when no one else put their picture by their name and you're being asked to because of your name? And, and I said, no, I said, if people are going to judge me by my name before they've met me, then they're going to judge me. But I'm not going to put my picture there to change their opinion of their judgment of me. I don't need to feel any different than I'm already feeling in this moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. so that, that to me whether it was unintentional or not, I don't think, you know, people can say he didn't mean any harm by it, but the point is that experience there, it's just, it's, it's, if we want to point it, call it for what it is, it's, it's both a, a, a sexist and a racist statement. Right. hundred percent. hundred percent. That's the name I was given. That's the name I was born with. Yes. It's an Asian name. That's the thing. Like when you talk about these bias and and we say it's unconscious, I think it's a lot of times it's conscious. I told you guys, and I share the story with my son being that I'm half white and half Korean. I married a man and he's South African. He's white South African. So he's white. So we have our son and he's a quarter Korean and he knows he's like, I'm part Asian. He has a wonderful Korean dialect. When I bring him with my family and my cousins that he's never met, they connect right away. They are like family. It's just, you know, and it doesn't matter what anybody looks like. And he eats Korean food. He's part of it. You know, when I go see my mom, it's Korean food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he just goes along with it because it's his culture. And and that's his mom and his family and his grandma, you know, but he was four years old at elementary school. And, you know, he comes home and he goes, mommy, the kids were all pulling their eyes back and saying, look at me, I'm Chinese. And they were laughing. And he told them, stop you guys are being racist. My mom's Asian. I had a lot of friends from different cultures and I learned about their culture. I learned about their family story. Once you start asking people like, tell me about your family, tell me about your siblings, you really get to relate with them. You find a lot of things that you have in common and you end up having that empathy and that love for that culture. And so I feel that even though I always felt different and I still do. And I think as an adult, I've learned to figure that out. That's what's made me gravitate towards certain people because they'll be open with their culture and let me be open with mine and they're accepting. So we're agree to be different and that's okay, but we're still very similar. And I think that's kind of explains my relationship with Bridget too. And I've had, I have many different friends because I just love people, especially when I get invigorated by them, like both of you and inspired, like those are the people I want to be around. And Bridget, you and I couldn't look any more different. I laugh because our like bio pictures, we both have the same hair. Like mine's like brown with the highlights and hers was blonde, but we had like the same style. We have so much that we're similar, but nobody, we would never know that if we never really talked to each other. Exactly. And now I feel like um, you are my sister. 
So you're right. I mean, it's taking that time and being very open. And something that you said, Liam, really hit me during this conversation and on Woman of the Vine was that when you did experience that awful situation with your manager, you are very, and I'll use Julie's word, bold, where you just decided like, no, I'm not going to do that. Absolutely not. And I think a lot of times that's just like the hardest thing to do. It's the hardest thing to do is to, to stand. It's super hard. And I, like I said, I can't imagine I am not an Asian American. I'm not, but I am a woman. And there's been so many instances that I wish I would have stood. So thank you for sharing that story. Cause I know that that took a bit of bravery to do, and that's not easy. And I know you shared an, another story on Women of the Vine where one of your colleagues wouldn't even acknowledge your heritage, which is, I was sitting there just shocked. Would, would you mind resharing that story? Well, I would be happy to. Um, and thank you for saying, sharing that. I think I also shared on the call that um, I didn't speak up for a really long time. But the story that I shared with Women of the Vine, and this is the story that I chose to lead with, um, because I think it was so important because we have to acknowledge that it does exist in our industry. There was a meeting that I entered in a room of maybe 10 or 12 men in the room. They were all white. I was the only woman in the room. I was the only person of color. And there were a handful of callers on the phone, not too many. One of them may have been a woman, if at all. So essentially, I was the one woman. I was the only person of color. And when I walked into the room, they were all laughing. And the reason why they were laughing was they were making fun of an Asian winery name. They had trouble pronouncing the brand. They were mimicking Asian sounds and, and, and just in a way that, that wasn't nice. I didn't know what to do at first. I was like, do I put my head down, pretend I don't know what's going on, just pretend I'm on my phone or my computer until the meeting starts? Do I just suffer in silence and just bear it and just let it go on? Do I wait until I, the meeting is over? and talk to my manager who happened to be part of that group. Um, do I pretend to be one of the boys and just play along and just, it's cool, right? Because I want to fit in, because I want to be liked. But in that moment, I just, that moment I felt I had to. So I spoke up and I said, excuse me, I'm Asian. It was awkward silence, it was uncomfortable. Um, but the response that came back, you know, after this moment of silence was, Ah, Liam, you're not Asian. And so to have that come back, you know, I remember thinking, how do you respond to something like that? But in that moment, I said, I am Asian. I was born Asian. And I will always be Asian. And I don't want to change it. Mm -hmm. And there was uncomfortable silence. No one knew what to say. And finally, one of the younger people in the room, and I say younger because I thought it was quite interesting that one of the younger people chose to spoke, speak up. And what he said was, oh, come on, guys. She's got to you know, represent her peeps. And at that point, I felt like I had to lighten the situation, not make light of the situation. And it's a clear distinction. And, I'm, and you know, I did my gesture. Yeah, I got to represent my peeps. And of course, it's very awkward, uncomfortable still. Finally, one of the leaders looked at me and said, Liam, I am sorry. I chose in that moment, though, to just 
it wasn't enough for me just to say apology accepted. The next time you can't pronounce a name, please just ask, just ask. Thank you for your apology. It is accepted. We can move forward with the meeting now. Nothing was said anymore after that. And, and that was pretty much the end of it. I share it because also it left a lasting impact for me. I've never forgotten that experience, just like I didn't forget the experience about, you know, my picture by the name or many of these other experiences. And these moments of being uncomfortable are those that sometimes we remember more than some of these other moments. And it's also, it's not what we want to do. Those are the kind of memories we want people to have where they're reminded of being challenged of their own personal identity, their own culture, their heritage, of being questioned and almost questioned in a way where we're being asked to deny it. It's very interesting, you know, because we do have different experiences and as I mentioned earlier, being that my mom's Korean, I've always been so proud to be Korean. But I also recognized that I had a little bit of privilege because I was half white. And and I used it to my advantage. And I probably still do, you know, but when you think of the half and half, I think my biggest thing that I've mentioned is just never really fitting into one side. I always looked different. But, you know, when I talk about the privilege, and this is where I can really resonate when people talk about privilege, I always say, and Bridget's heard me say it over, privilege comes in many different ways, right? Whether you're in a different economic status. So maybe I have more privilege now than I did 20 years ago. But I also feel shame and guilt because I think people might think I'm Asian, but maybe not real Asian, like Mm -hmm. you were referred to as. So they feel comfortable saying derogatory things or jokes about Asian because I'm not like really Asian. And I think I've gotten used to it, but the way I feel now is, yeah, I feel ashamed. I feel guilty and I feel complicit that Mm -hmm. I don't say, actually, that's, that's not cool. That's not right. You know, that's offensive like that. I feel like you're talking about my mom, you know, and I don't know. I think a lot of those thoughts are just really building up. I think what I feel now as like a woman that's found her voice is that I'm not this little girl anymore that can get by by playing both sides of my race. I need to like take a stance and I need to own it. And if that Korean side of me gives me my character and that's what I resonate, I have to stick up and I have to represent my Asian community, but like really do something and really stick up and advocate for the community because what's happening, the actual abuse and hate You know, I called my cousin who I talk to all the time and she said, look, where I live, it's a little bit more progressive, but we don't go to Chinatown anymore. We don't go and get dim sum because the hateful people are targeting those areas. So nobody is going there. And then she also told me that they're, they're planning to go on a family vacation where they're going to have to get on a plane and travel to another state. And she's got anxiety and she's worried. And she almost didn't go on the trip because she didn't know if she'd get attacked. I've got a good friend that I've known for a really long time. And when I shared with her, I'm like, you know, I'm reading all these statistics about all these attacks and it, 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 it really saddens me. And, and that's what I want to say is that that's what I feel the most. Yeah, I, I felt a ton of emotions and, and they've run the gamut, but I'm saddened by everything. And I was talking to a friend about this and she's, she is white. And the first thing she said to me, she was like, Liam, I've never thought of you as Asian. I see you as white. 
Is it a backhanded compliment? I've been told that too. And yeah. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. We're not, we, we look different, you know? And that's okay. Like see me as who I am. And it, it's not a compliment mm-hmm. because that, that to me, back to your, you know, of what we talk about being invisible. To me, that means you don't see me. Mm-hmm. You see me as how you want to see me, but you don't see me as who I am. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that, in fact, I know that what you're saying resonates beyond the Asian culture when we also talk about the Black culture. And when people say, I don't see color, right? It's it's just um, one way of discrediting somebody's life and who they are. We need to see each other. We need to respect, understand value, appreciate, and celebrate our differences and learn from each other. After that seminar that you hosted, Liam, I reached out to one of our leaders, Marty Crane, who's the executive vice president GM of the state of New York. And I said, hey, Marty, this is happening. New York is the epicenter. And we have so many of our Asian families that work for us that work for Southern Glazers, as well as our Asian community. And we need to talk about this. Will you support us? Will you sponsor this? And he said, absolutely. You know, I sent him the email on a Saturday morning and responded in two hours. And now we're going to do this, you know? So I thank you for giving us the opportunity to bring this awareness and really start on the road to impacting change. We're having this amazing educational panel with New York on May 20th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we're going to put it out there. We're inviting everybody. Anybody can join. And I know it's not just one meeting. It's going to involve continuing the conversation, but it's got to start somewhere. Yes. I also want to thank Julie and Marty and and Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits for inviting me to lead this education panel. One of the things that I like to say is, yes, it begins with conversation. It begins with awareness. And that's what this education panel is going to do. And I was so happy and like thankful to get to know you, Liam. And, And it's opened my eyes. And it's just that this is how it starts. It starts like this. We can stop it. And that's what we're doing is we're stopping the hate. And long-term, we're going to continue to have open dialogue, non-judgmental, empathetic. And that's something I am going to get coached from you, Liam, is how to give feedback without jumping down somebody's throat, (laughs) because that's why I always choose to just not say something because I've got this fire in me and it comes from my mother for sure. But that's what I would love to learn because I'm not going to be quiet anymore. Um, you know, I like to say there's sympathy, empathy, and compassion. And, and sympathy is just, you know, uh, the way I like to explain is, is recognizing that there's a problem. So let's just say you've got a headache. I recognize that you've got a headache, Julie. And empathizing is, is knowing that you've got a headache and what that feels like and feeling what you feel and feeling that same headache. And then compassion is being able to step out of it and have a much more cognitive approach to that where you're like, Julie's got a headache. I know what that feels like. I know how bad it is, the symptoms and all of those things. Is this a situation where I have to help correct to remove the headache? And how do I do that? And so compassion takes it a a, a little bit further. 
And Liam, you know, we'd be remiss. And you made it a point that you wanted this to be about all Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. And I think we did a good job of that. We're going to continue doing that for the rest of this month. But you have such an amazing story coming from the corporate world, being in the alcohol beverage industry, executive roles. And now you've decided to really have your own company, right? An example of American entrepreneurship. And you provide resources to help people. Like I'm asking you, like, help me not jump down somebody's throat if they say something offensive because they didn't mean it, you know? So can you just tell our listeners about Little Lion and all the amazing work you do and your brilliant team members? So at the end of the day, what we are is we provide first and foremost community. So we offer a holistic approach to wellness where it may be physical fitness, it could be mental social, emotional, all of that's built into one. You can take a cooking class with us, a hit class with us, a dance class with us, an improv class with us, art class with us. But all of it is built around inclusive community and leadership building skills. Things like I mentioned earlier, the difference between sympathy and empathy and compassion, how to find courage and confidence. We offer it to individuals where you could just sign on to our website, golittlelion.com. Again, that's golittlelion.com and you can bring your friends and family, or we do it for organizations and companies, whether it's just everyone engaging in a fun activity or engaging in a much more in-depth workshop. We call it consequential dialogue because the end end result is to have consequential implications coming out of that. Well, we definitely want to get the word out because what you're doing, just how you've curated this talent of instructors is just incredible. And we're going to continue working on what we can do as a broader organization. Um, Hearing from somebody like you, I think will make a big impact and go little lion. Go lion.com. Yes. And sign up and just check us out. Thank you for creating the platform. I can't wait to take some classes. Did you say dance class? Is that what I heard? Girl. Yes. I'm excited. Julie, what do you say? I'm I'm getting on there. Actually, my son, Keen, I didn't tell you this, Bridget, but he told me he wants to be a comedian. He's like, I believe it. Classes to be a comedian. And I go, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's called acting classes. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to be an actor. That's how you become a comedian. So the improv. We have classes for kids. Yeah. Improv for little kids. They do storytelling. It's so adorable. It's hilarious. It's a lot of fun and, and they're creative. So we unleash yeah. their creative energy. So we do family activities as well. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to both of you. We're so honored, Liam, that you joined us to really kick this off. I can't imagine any other way to kick off such an important time in our lives and our generation in mine. It's, it's so much easier to play into the hate of others than it is to stand on the right side of this. And so I want to thank you for being brave and for coming on the podcast, telling your story. Julie, thank you as well for being vulnerable, for helping me to create this space, girl. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, I appreciate it so much. And, you know, just being an observer, even for most of this podcast, you know, just taking it all in. There's no way that you can listen to these stories and not be changed for the better. There's no way. I'm so excited that we're kicking off Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month and really showing this is the power of this diverse country that makes America.
Thank you so very much again. I really, really appreciate it. It's been an yes. honor. Cheers. Thank you, Liam. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers. Cheers.